we are in the last week of our series, so I'm going to read for you one more time the passage we've been in the last few weeks. This is coming from Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. So our series is Practice Gathering, and as Aubrey said, it's the last Sunday of the series. Now, one of the things that I try to do is to find something else to read or listen to that can speak to me so that everything I read and listen to isn't half of me thinking, oh, maybe I should say this next Sunday. So when I'm speaking a lot, I try to pick something else out. So I picked this book called What Jesus Demands from the World. It's written by John Piper. Somebody gave it to me a long time ago, and it's been sitting on my shelf. And I heard that what, what the reason he wrote this book is he was thinking about Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus says, Go and to all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And he was thinking, we are asking people, what Jesus is asking is that we go into all the world and we teach them to obey everything he commanded. And he said, I don't know anywhere where it's written down everything he commanded. What is everything that he commanded? And so he proceeded to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and compile the commands of Jesus. He said, if it's a circumstantial thing, if it, it's like, you know, throw your net on the other side or put the boat out a little to the shore, or go find this donkey for me, he said, I don't count that. Those are just, he's talking to people in the place of time. But if they're general commands, then, then I'm going to compile all those so that they're in one book. And so I'm reading this because there's, he's got 50 demands or commands and so I'm thinking, this is good for me to read. Do I know them? Am I living according to them? And it really doesn't sound like maybe once in a while it bump into this, but like it wouldn't have anything to do with practice gathering or the sermon series that we're doing next most of the time. So that would be good for me. Except that when I got to demand number eight, it says, take up your cross and follow me. Again, that doesn't really fit with the practice gathering in my own mind. But I cannot resist sharing this paragraph. It says, in summary, then, Jesus came to die for the nation of Israel. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Referencing John 11. He came to gather a people. Specifically, to gather a people in allegiance to himself for the glory of his father by dying to save them from their sins and to give them eternal life and a new ethic of love like his, which is seen in John 13, 34 through 35. Therefore, when he demands that we follow him, he means that we join him in the task of gathering. Whoever does not gather with me scatters, Jesus says in Luke eleven twenty three. 23. 
There are no neutral followers. We either scatter or gather. Following Jesus means continuing the work he came to do, gathering a people in allegiance to himself for the glory of his Father. Now, I would have never thought that in a chapter on come follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me, Jesus would, or someone would summarize it by talking about how much Jesus talked about gathering. But it is true in the course of the New Testament that Jesus says if you are going to follow him, he isn't just looking for like one person to say, hey, I want you in my life so you can help me out when I need you, and of course I'm going to use that insurance policy when I die that I believe in you so I can go to heaven. He's saying, no, I'm Come, follow me, and join with the other people who are. And then go find other people and gather them in. And we can't bring people, we can't gather people into a gathering if we're not gathering ourselves. We need to gather. And that's what we've been talking about. Acts 2.46 is talking about these first people that believed in Jesus after he ascended into heaven. The, the first group of people that said, we are in allegiance to Jesus, we want Jesus, we want eternal life, and it says this about them. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day. They gathered in the temple, a public space devoted to worship and prayer and the reading of, of scripture. They gathered there. And every day they gathered in their homes with the purpose of encouraging each other in their faith. And so the question that we've wrestled with as we've looked at things from week to week, different aspects of how they gathered is, why have we stopped gathering so much? Why do we think showing up every once or twice a month, maybe at church, kind of popping in and out, is all we need for our relationship when the early church with the Holy Spirit there and filling them, knew we need to get together often to encourage one another. So much so that it is hard to see in the New Testament anywhere where there is like a one-on-one -on -one Christian following of Jesus. We all make our own decision of whether we're going to follow Jesus, but if we say yes, then part of following Jesus is we are devoted to a community of other people who are following Jesus. We devote ourselves to that. In Acts 2.42, it talks about the different ways they devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we have spent two weeks on each of these aspects. So briefly now, I just want to review what we've talked about. We talked about how we, we can practice gathering by uh, devoting ourselves, if we can bring up that that next slide, and it's on this, this sheet too. We practice gathering in response to the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, that Jesus, who is God but also became a human being, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died for us for the forgiveness of our sins, rose from the dead that we can have life after death now if we are aligned with him, ascended into heaven that he would send the spirit so that we aren't left alone but God's spirit can be available to us now and he will come again to judge the living and the dead and we those who have allegiance to him will reign and rule with him forever 
And that's available to everybody. That's the good news. And they practice gathering based on their response to that. It wasn't just a social club where we get together. It was like we believe the good news of Jesus is for us and we accept it. We repent. We change the way we think and we're going to live for him now. And one of the ways we need to change the way we think is that we live in a hyper-individualistic culture where it's all about what fulfills me, and it's a, kind of hilarious. We, what fulfills me, what makes me happy, and we're like the most depressed, anxious since they've started measuring these things. we got to get our eyes off of ourselves, onto the Lord, and with each other in response to the gospel. Now, the second aspect of the apostles' teaching is the scriptures. So they would have looked at the Old Testament, because that's all they had to them, had back then, but we now have the New Testament, which is the apostles' teaching. It's the summary of, of the things about the Lord. And so we can gather like this to hear somebody teach, but also just gather around Scripture to study it, to talk about it. That's another way that we can practice gathering. And then to fellowship. The word fellowship in the New Testament, it, in Greek, it's in Greek, is koinonia. And koinonia shows up sometimes as a noun, the fellowship, a fellowship, and sometimes as a verb, fellowshipping. We're, we're practicing together, we're sharing life together, we're participating together. So we can practice gathering by fellowshipping in a fellowship, where we have a group of people that we know this is our people, and there might be fellowships within the fellowship. If it's a big fellowship like this, we're going to need also to know who our people are that we're walking with, that will we're living with, that will talk to us and listen to us, and we can listen to them. We practice gathering by fellowshipping with a fellowship. We practice gathering our resources to share and care. Over a third of the times that the word koinonia is used, it is specifically used as a contribution of financial resources. And it's clear right, right there in the text, they sold things, they shared their resources and gave it to the fellowship, gave it to people who have need. That is part of what they were devoted to. And then in terms of breaking of bread, we talked about we can practice gathering with food in Jesus' name. So we can talk about Jesus while we're eating. Jesus talked about God and the things of God all the time while he was eating. It shows up in all kinds of stories. We can also, if we're going to talk about God, we, let's bring in the food. So it goes both ways. We can pray. We can bless people. We can have what we do when we gather around food include the Lord. And what we do when we're trying to be focused on the Lord include food. Gathering with food in Jesus' name. And then breaking of bread also is uh, alluding to communion. So we're gathering with communion to remember and give thanks. And Judd talked about how communion is, is remembering what Jesus has done for us in the past. It's knowing that he's here in the present and, and what he promises in the future. And I've added here cleansing because for the next six Sundays, we are going to offer communion after church or after the service. And then the Friday after that is Good Friday. And once again, communion will be available. So it's going to be available. And one of the things that communion can do is can help cleanse us from a guilty conscience, help receive again the forgiveness so that we know it in our heart. More on that in the weeks to come. Then there is, is devoted to prayer, gathering to seek Jesus' face in worship. Why worship when we're talking about prayer? <clears throat> Excuse me, because in the... So here, we might say, 
did you go to church in the, did you go to church yesterday? And what we mean is, did you come to the worship service? We use church and worship service interchangeably. They would use prayer and worship interchangeably. Going to the temple for, for prayer would include worship, often the reading of scriptures, and prayer. And that gets us to today, the last one, gathering to pray as a community at set times and places. At set times and places. So, from, we have read for eight weeks straight, Acts 42 through 47, the very next verse says this, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. They had a time of prayer. Actually, the Jewish people had three times of prayer. They had morning prayer. They had this time of prayer, which was right before or around the evening sacrifice. And then they would have another gathering of prayer at sunset. And so the church was gathering at their times of prayer. Now, in the last 2,000 years, there are many Christians who have said, we're going to have morning, noon, and evening prayer. There are going to be three times of prayer. And that they try... Often groups will try to create a space where people can come at those times. And then even if they can't, they will say, well, I'm still going to pray at this time. So I'm joining with people. Because what we're getting into when we talk about that they devoted themselves to prayer is not just, and I pray to God. Just statistically speaking, most Americans pray. Many atheists report they pray. So... There is a prayer, but there is something else in prayer when it is a communal prayer, when there is a people joining together in prayer. God seems to move when people join together in prayer. And one of the things that helps a people join together in prayer is if there's a set time. Another thing is if there's a set place. So their set place obviously was in the temple courts or in their homes. They had set places to do that. But what about when we get outside the Jewish religious area of Jerusalem and Paul's out there with lots of people that don't believe in Jesus? It says in Acts chapter 16 when he's in the Roman colony of Philippi, in verse 13, on the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to women who had gathered there. They found one woman who was a... Uh, worshiper of God, but who had not yet heard about Jesus. She became a believer in Jesus. She got baptized. She became a leader in the church, Lydia. So time of prayer, place of prayer. These are things that we have tried to incorporate here at Celebrate in different ways. You can come early, 845, there's people that come in and pray beforehand while the, the worship team is, is practicing and getting ready for the morning. There are people usually praying in here. There's this worship service. There's youth worship at night on Sunday nights. There's upper room on Wednesday nights where there's worship and prayer where you can come together and you can pray and occasionally people might go up and read a scripture or pray from a microphone, but a lot of it is just worshiping with the room or praying on your own. But it's, it's togetherness. And we've got the prayer room as a space set aside for prayer so that when I come in, I might just be praying just for myself, but I know I'm coming into a place where people have prayed, and for whatever reason, it just is different. I don't just pray there. I pray all kinds of places, but it's different when I go there. And sometimes I go there not because I'm just needing my space with God, but I go there to pray for us, 
Because I think there's something that happens when we are praying. More to that in a second. I want to get to these uh, Lent things that we're doing. So I'm gonna, they're going to be up on the screen, but we've also got them on this sheet so that you know, it's a lot to, to take in. Because all of a sudden, it's just, we're just saying, here's what we're doing, and it's starting Wednesday, and there's a lot happening starting Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday, um, again, I think Aubrey did a great job of explaining that. You may want to consider starting the season of Lent. Now, Lent is a time when we focus on, especially Ash Wednesday, on our own mortality, and we reflect on how Jesus suffered for us. And it's 40 days, not counting the Sundays, which I wish I knew when I've been giving things up for Lent most of my life, that Sundays is optional because it's Resurrection Day, evidently. But it's to match the 40 days where Jesus was tempted and tested in the wilderness. So Ash Wednesday kicks that off. Now, we want to also do continuous prayer. There's a group, 24-7 prayer organization. They put out the Lectio 365 app that many of us around here use. They bring, there's some books, there's classes, there's a class going on right now that's put together by this group that we're doing here in the church. And 24-7 USA has, has encouraged um, people that are connected to them to do some sort of continuous prayer during this Lent. They're encouraging churches or organizations to think about four days at a time or seven days at a time. We decided we're going to do 40 hours to start Lent, and we're going to do 40 hours as Lent comes to a close leading up to our Good Friday service. And, and their movement started with just, they thought maybe we could do, they could do a week of people praying through the night where somebody is praying. And so we are going to do that, and I encourage you to to sign up and give it, a, give it a shot. There's something special and unique about being in a room that has continuously, without a break, been prayed for. If, if you've done it, most of you will nod. Maybe not all of you. We don't always experience it. If you haven't, you should give it a try. Then, weekly on-site prayer. I would encourage you during Lent to maybe come, find a way to come a little extra. Growing up in the tradition I did, there was Wednesday night worship services, and we just always went to them, all through Lent until Holy Week. So you might want to find a time to schedule. Now, here's something else about set times of prayer. So I was talking about how the church has set times of prayer. Here's what's true of me. I will intend to pray for this much, and I will talk like I pray this much, and I actually pray this much. And something always tends to come up. I'll do, well, I'll pray this afternoon. Oh, you know, I'm going to find some time this evening. Well, I'll get to do it when I get home, and then we're done the next day. But when I've scheduled myself, then I show up. Because I, I don't know. Maybe it's a firstborn trait. Maybe some of you, this would matter. Enough. This would not matter as much to my brothers. I can tell you that. But there's something about scheduling yourself, and then you're like, well, I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it. And that helps. I am shooting, I am shooting for 10 hours of prayer on site a week. That's been my goal for 2022. I have hit it once, well, now twice. But I've been five hours or more every week, which was not the case last year. Now, that's not the only places I pray, again, but this is, and I work here, and I'm, not try, I'm just saying, because I schedule it, I hit it. 50 to 80% of the time, and I pray way more than if I hadn't. 
It's like a gift to myself by doing that. Okay, almost through this. In the prayer room, just so you know, we're going to be praying for the region because in a week and a half, well, yeah, in March 2nd, we are going to be hosting Sending Network leaders, leaders of Sending Network churches, 11 congregations will be hosting here, and so we're going to pray for those churches leading up to that time. And then we're praying for the world. Our, our sermon series I'm going to talk about in a second gets into suffering, and one of the things we want to do is pray for all the world, but especially where, where our believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, are suffering. Now, the sermon series that we're going to start next week is called Brokenness and Suffering. We almost, the other title that we almost used was Suffering and Sexuality. We are going to talk about sexuality for six straight Sundays, and we're going to talk about suffering, suffering that comes around sexuality, as well as Jesus' suffering during the season of Lent. We're going to hit all kinds of issues. And these issues really bring up a lot of emotion for people. And so we want to pray leading into the series. It's another reason why this would be good timing for continuous prayer. Just pray, pray for me at least. I, I mean, or volunteer to sub one of those Sundays. Okay, and then we'll have a good, good Friday cleansing service at the end of it all. So, there. I got through information I wanted to get through. Now I want to talk a little bit about, what do I want to talk about next? Let's choose your own adventure when I get up here. Um, well, let's look at the last two passages or verses that I want to look at, and then that way I'm not, I don't forget to do that. One of the, the reasons that I am encouraging us to pray, I think it's good for us. Like, I think it's good for me when I'm doing it, when I'm part of a community that prays and I play my part in it. it I'm the one who usually benefits and gets blessed. Now, when others are doing it, what I notice is that other people get blessed through that too, through our praying together. But here's what happened when they were devoted to prayer. You, just a reminder, or maybe some of you might not be aware of the full story. So there's a group of people that knew Jesus, that Jesus appeared to after he died and was resurrected. He ate food with them. He showed them the marks in his hands. He was, he was a human being still, and he had been dead, and he wasn't just resuscitated. He was resurrected. He had his new glorified body, just like all who are found in him will get new glorified bodies. And they're with him, and they believe in him, and he says, you go wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And so what did they do when they were waiting? They prayed. They joined together constantly in prayer. This group of 120 nobodies are the reason that Christianity is all over the globe now. And they started by joining together constantly in prayer, and for 10 days, nothing happened. But when the Holy Spirit came out, all of a sudden, everyone took notice. And that's when 3,000 people in one day said, we're going to follow Jesus. From 120 to 3,000 in one day, but it started with 10 days of people joining together constantly in prayer. That's where it started, with a community saying, we are going to pray, we are going to pray together, we are about this. And then they, this group now of 3,000 says, we are going to devote ourselves to prayer. We're going to keep on praying. 
We're not done because the Holy Spirit showed up one time. We're not done because we believe in Jesus now. We're going to keep going. So what's the very next thing that happens after it says they devoted themselves to prayer? It says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then, 47, they're, they're together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I would think that if there's a group that's getting together every single day at the temple, at their homes, I would think like this holy club, this clique, isn't very focused on people outside. They don't seem to give a rip about people outside. They just have their own little cozy group. And yet, because they're focused on the Lord, they can't help but talk about Jesus. And the Lord adds to their number every single day. Can you imagine being part of a group of people where someone comes to faith in Jesus, where their eternal destiny is changed forever? They're changed. They go from death to life, from darkness to light. Every single day, you're part of a group where you see that happens. Well, if you want to be part of that group, the thing you would find in Scripture and the thing you would find through church history is you are part of a group that prays together all the time. That does not grow weary or lose heart from praying. They keep on praying because they love Jesus and they want Jesus and they want to be near to Jesus and they want to join in what Jesus cares about and what he cares about are people that are lost, people that are broken, people that are lonely, people that are far from him. He is after them. He loves them. And he says, I want to join with people who have my heart. And when I pray, I get his heart and then I get his power to go. That's why we pray. To know him deeply and stay connected to him to ourselves and to be part of a group that would have his kingdom come and his will done through us. Now, when I think of signs and wonders, I think to myself, well, that means something like someone who's born blind all of a sudden can see or, you know, paralyzed and then instantaneous, miraculous healing, they're all the way better. And I want that, and may it be so that that happens in our midst. But those aren't the only signs and wonders. In fact, what I find is that I need to pay attention to little signs and wonders, and then all of a sudden I have more confidence that God might do bigger signs and wonders. I just made eye contact with somebody. I need to pay attention to God winks. This person, she always would tell me what would happen when she would see God doing one thing. Look, you can't, this isn't just a coincidence, right? She'd call it a God wink. And my faith would get increased because she would regularly report the God winks she would see in her life. This is how we can increase all of our faith. Well, let me tell you about a God wink, or what I would say is a sign and a wonder. At an uh, elder board meeting a few weeks ago, I brought up that we have this place we could invest more money that I think would be good for us as a church in the long term. The elder board agreed. But, you know, we had $40,000 less in offering than we budgeted last year. So we've kept the offering tight. So we don't have amount, enough money to do that. But the board said, but we do think this would, we need to do this. This is worth it. So I said, you know what? I am going to pray about raising money, asking for money outside of the budget, just asking somebody. I have not done that recently. So I'm going to pray about that. That was on Tuesday night. On Sunday, somebody hands me this envelope. 
Now, they, they give me notes and stuff at other times, so I put it away, put it in my desk, because I knew I wouldn't have time to read it on the Sunday. So Monday morning, I go, oh yeah, I got this. I open up my desk, I read it. Oh, there's a check for over $1,000 in here. Now, this, this family gives regularly to our church, but they said, we got two surprise checks, and so we wanted to pass on the blessing. Okay, well, that's a pretty good start. I literally put that away, go out of the office, go to my mailbox, and I come in, and I've got one letter in my mailbox. It's from a farmer whose wedding I did over 15 years ago. Let me read a little bit of it to you. I have not talked to him for years. Andrew, I hope this letter finds you well and thriving and where God has you in your life right now. I've always hoped to run into you during uh, the things that our, our daughters have in common, just to say hi or in person or chat real quick, but that just hasn't happened yet. We are doing well. I'm still enjoying being married to the young lady that you officially married me to, our oldest children, blah, 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 blah. The reason for this letter is that sometimes in the early morning, as I am on and off with sleep, I will just pray, and sometimes God shows me or reminds me of a name, and I will just pray for that, them. The morning of January 30, 2023, it seems God reminded me of you, Andrew. So I prayed for you that morning. Some of the prayers were general, praying that, you were, that what you're doing and involved in is going well, and that you are knowing and experiencing God's goodness. Then it seemed God was asking me to give financially to celebrate church. So enclosed is a gift for you to use at Celebrate. Also while praying, God showed me an old pickup in the woods, and boom, and he, so he had this picture, and he explains what he thinks the picture is, and he wondered if maybe the gift could go towards the picture, and by the way, it all works out like, yes, that does fit with what we were intending to use the money for. Then he writes this, I thought before I send this, I should see if you were still at Celebrate. <laughs> so I got on the computer, and sure enough, I found you at Celebrate. I actually stumbled onto one of your sermons and decided to listen to it. And wouldn't you know it, it was on Acts 2.42, Practice Gathering Fellowship Sharing Resources. <laughs> wow, seriously. And God just asked me to share resources with Celebrate. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, it's possible that it's a coincidence. That it's a coincidence that Five days after we said we were going to start praying about should we ask for some money to go towards this thing, we would get not one check, but two checks for over $1,000 that would put us well on our way to what I would have asked for. And it's possible that it's a coincidence that someone who I haven't talked to in a decade, more than a wave when I've seen them, was woken up on January 30th, which by the way is my birthday, but he doesn't seem to reference that at all, so he mustn't know that. I don't know why he even put the January 30th, is very detailed. Um, it's a coincidence. But then he would think, oh, you know what, I should make sure he works there, and, then, and oh, I see the sermon, I guess I'll check out a sermon, and it's on giving and being generous with finances, which I talk about all the time. Or it's possible that it's not coincidences, and that God's real. And that when we pray, we get to see more of him responding to our needs. And in fact, we also get to, to see, have him lead us to help other people. That we might be praying and you know, God puts something on our heart and it hits an exact situation of where someone else is praying. This is how God works. This is how prayer often works. 
This is what we can be part of the more we pray. Now, I am grateful for the prayer that's happening here. When we talked about, we first started talking about prayer, a house of prayer and worship, where seven days a week, there would be people praying and worshiping here. I didn't know how it would happen, if it would happen, what it would look like. Since last September, when we did the prayer builders thing, there has been someone who's prayed here on site every day since then. We wanted that to happen up until the week of Thanksgiving. But there's a small group of people who said, no, we're going to make sure it happens every day. Even Thanksgiving Day, even Christmas Day, even New Year's Day, even snowstorm days. Somebody's going to be here. There are times, this isn't really coordinated, where someone just shows up. They ask for the, the thing, and they aren't one of the people who said, I'm going to make sure it prays. They're the only one who showed up. Now, at late, I mean, I would think it's less than 10 times that we've only had one person show up, but a group of people. And the goal isn't that we just have one person show up. My thought had always been that there are, yes, it's a place where people can come and pray, but it's also a place where groups pray. There's some group praying every day of the week. Well, you know what? We have students who on Fridays and now on Mondays, that was Fridays, now it's Mondays, have gathered to pray in the morning. They've decided on Mondays they're going to pray in the morning. There's a group of guys who just said, you know what? We want to get together to pray. And again, they've been Mondays, they've been Fridays, but there's a group of guys that are just praying. We have upper rooms on West Wednesday nights. On Janu in January, the first Saturday of January, we had a group of 20-somethings ask us, a little over half of them are from this church, can we use the church for a worship night? And they did a worship night where worship for two hours, where 100 people came, where nine different churches came. And then last Saturday night, not last night, but last Saturday night, there's a group of high school students who said, we want to have a worship night. We will organize it. We will communicate about it. We will line it up. We will practice for it. We will have prayer ministers at it. And there are 80 high schoolers that came on a Saturday night, worshiped for an hour and a half, had people coming for prayer ministry. It's not started by some staff person saying this is going to happen. It's starting especially from a younger generation, a younger generation that wants to know that Jesus is real. He is real. If God is not real, if the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is not real, I am out of here. I have no interest in being part of, oh, let's be nice to each other and kind and do good. I mean, I, 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 I want to be nice and kind, kind of, obviously. It's easy, not as natural to me. But it's not just like a hallmark, let's have hallmark moments and make special moments and do special things. It's Jesus is real. He is the thing we need the most, and so we can follow him with our whole life. And I want to join together with whoever would do it. And first and foremost, I want to be a part of a people who will pray, who will seek him so that our gathering, he's real in our gatherings. He shows up in our gatherings. He does things only he can do in our gatherings. And so that when we go, when we go to a world that's broken and hurting and, and confused and needing God, we go with his presence. I want to be part of a group of people like that. One more story, and then we got to respond. So last September, Camille and I um, went to a pastor's conference out of state. 
And you think church is long. Like pastor's conference, this was like 40 to 45 minutes of worship music. Well, 40 minutes to an hour by the time you throw the prayers and the whole thing. And then another 45 minutes to an hour of someone speaking in the closing. That's two hours in the morning. Then we did it again in the afternoon. Then we did it again at night. Then we got up the next morning we did it again three more times. The last time, last night, the main speaker gets up. We've just worshipped for whatever it was, 40, 45 minutes at least. And he says, you know, keep, keep singing as led by the Spirit. Just for, and he literally said, for 30 seconds, which is a funny thing to say. We're going to be led by the Spirit for 30 seconds. He, keep singing for about 30 seconds. So they aren't singing like a song from the front. There's no song that we're cued in to sing. We're just supposed to kind of sing on our own and praise God on our own from where we're at, which, you know, a lot of times this feels awkward. Even for a group of pastors, maybe especially for a group of pastors, I don't know. Here's what happened. People start singing. And they start singing. And they start singing. And the room gets louder. And then the room comes down. And the room gets louder. And the room comes down. And I see the speaker, and he just starts gradually, like something's happening in the room. And so he just, instead of staying front and center, he just kind of sits behind, steps behind the group and just lets it go for 20 minutes. I've had a handful of pretty strong encounters with the Lord. That's one of them. I mean, to know his love like I did in that moment, to know he was real like I did in that moment, something else. I heard people talking about this moment when I tune in to some of these main speakers. Now, these are the people that I feel like this stuff happens to them all the time. But they're saying, like, something happened. I'm different after that. Jeremy Riddle, the song All Hail King Jesus, that's a song we've sung for a long time, he was there. And he said, there's been one other experience that matches what happened. Now, I'm wondering why that happened. And part of me thinks this. It was full of a room full of people that, as far as I can tell, have been praying, like really praying, like praying when no one else shows up, praying. They haven't always seen God. They haven't always noticed God. You know, there's disappointments, there's loneliness, there's, but they've been doing it, and now you get a room full of them together, and you give them 30 seconds to say, hey, sing whatever you want to Jesus. And people who don't, well, at least me, don't naturally do that, all of a sudden, Jesus is in the room. It's undeniable he is in the room. Two days later, it's Sunday morning here. We already had the service planned. And part of the plan was, after my message, we would do a song, and then I would come back up, and I would pray, and we would see how the Spirit leads us, pray, song, pray, song, best we can. I go down, the song is going, and Camille leans over to me and says, I think people 
need to know this. I think people, and she's explaining to me, and I'm like, yes, that's good. You, you can share that. <laughs> so she did eventually. She comes up on the mic. She prays. Now, something was already happening in the room, but then something else happened in the room. And we prayed and we sang. More than any other service last year, maybe more than any other service that I can remember, I heard the words, that was powerful. From young people, from old people, from people who barely go to church to people who, go, who are just visiting and are not from a church where we flow with the Spirit, unless that means doing liturgy. I heard it from all kinds of people. What would happen if that just marked who we were? If it, if it marked who you were? If you were part of a community, not trying to log five hours a week on site or anything like that, but like doing your part to say, I am going to be it. And some of us are like, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know. What would I do in a room? Just sit in there. Just sit in there and say, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. He'll take it from there. Really. So here's what we're going to do next. We're going to pray. In groups. Oh, man. Some of you are like, oh, man, I just started coming. I didn't sign up for that kind of thing. Like, probably a lot of you are like that right now. You can find ways to fake it and it's to nod and whatever. But as much as possible, I'd like you to pray aloud. Maybe look at this sheet. We'll take like 30 seconds. Just look at the sheet. Is there something? Can we pray for our church? Is there something on this sheet that you could pray for when we get in groups of three to five and just pray a little bit? Prayers don't, like we're just talking to God. My favorite person, he was my prayer partner, other than Camille. Camille's my favorite prayer partner. But my, this other guy, this guy, he went, to, he went to college classes with a mechanic suit on, carrying his books in his bowling bag. I don't think he actually graduated, but he was my prayer partner. I'm pretty serious about that. He was my prayer partner. And he would just be like, well, God, you know, help our fantasy football team to, to win. And uh, I mean, I know fantasy football probably doesn't matter to you, but like, if you can help us, that'd be good. But then, yeah, but then help this guy because he's really having a tough time. And so I did. It was so refreshing. And it's the last time I won in fantasy football. I was in college. <laughs> I was his partner. <laughs> so just for a few minutes. Let's just talk to God with each other, together. Find three, five, stand up, move around. <laughs> You're looking at me like, you aren't serious. I'm serious. Like, let's do this. Just for a few minutes, let's just pray for our church, whatever God's simple prayers. Thank him or ask him simple things for our church. Stand up, move around, and we'll come back to close. All right, if you haven't already, go ahead and close your prayer time.
All right. I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to go ahead and start making their way up. We're going to close with a couple songs. Um, I think I'd like to do one other thing before we, we head into our, our worship songs. Particularly in the first few weeks of this series, by the way, so much life in the room right now. That is just, maybe we should do it more often. Just kidding for those of you who would never come back. <laughs> Half kidding. Um, early on in this series, I heard there were quite a few people who said, like, this series was getting them because they realized, like, they aren't gathering. Like, they need more gathering with people who are following him. Can you bring up that question? <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. Um, are you being called to practice gathering more intentionally and faithfully? Have you found in this series that you are that person? Maybe you've started, maybe you got in a group, or maybe you tried something, but in the course of this series, in 2023, that is like, that is true for you. Like, this is just something that's true. I would like you to stand or raise a hand. I just want to pray over you because we we don't exactly know. Sometimes it's like, I don't exactly know how or with who or what. And so I just want to pray that in the course of 2023, you find ways to gather that would fit this. That you would know when it's time and then you would just like step into it. Like, yeah, that, this, this is one of those times or this is one of those groups I should be part of. So that a year from now, this question wouldn't hit you the same way it has for the last two months because you've done more of it. And again, I'm talking to people who it, it's already hit you. I'm not trying to talk anybody into, into anything. But if you could stand, I just want to pray for you before we go into worship. Could be, I saw some head nods, so I know there's a few. All right, let's pray. God, thank you that community is your idea and your gift. Your gift to us that we can be blessed through community, but you also your gift you want to give through us, that we can bless others through what we have and what we offer. And so there's, there's lots of barriers to that in our world. There's lots of busyness. There's our own insecurities. There's not feeling like there's the right fits or the times. And so I just ask that you would go beyond that, that you would help to direct to whatever different steps into more community would look like for these people. You would have divine arrangements for that. That you would honor the intent of their heart. They're, they're wanting to say yes to you in this. We're wanting to say yes to you in this. Would you do things that are, haven't even been thought up yet? Or make connections that haven't even been made yet? Or bring together things that we've been thinking about for a long time, but we just haven't pulled the trigger yet? Would that happen in the weeks and months to come? And would your blessing just flow from that? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask everyone who is able to stand for our closing worship songs. I'm just going to pray one more thing as we, we go into that. So God, we pray that we would be a, a people where you add to our number those who are being saved. Or right now, bring people to mind who we know who aren't saved or who we aren't sure are saved, that we could lift them up to you and 
not just in a flippant way, but yet you would actually respond to these people we have in mind and you would save them. I pray that you would save people who are in this room right now, who aren't even sure themselves if they've received you fully. I pray that you would save them. I pray that you would save us not just in, our, in an eternal salvation way, but just save us from the things in life that are so hard we don't know how we're going to make it. Save us from our own bad thinking and our addictions. Would you save us? Lord Jesus, you came to save. You're the Savior, so we ask you to do the work that only you could do, and we ask you to help us to be part of it. We are your people, and we are here for you today. We are available to you today. We want to be with you today. So Jesus, as we close with these last two songs, would you be huge in our midst? Would you be speaking into our ears? Would you be receiving our praise? For we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.